choir. Let us pray. Dear Lord, as we think about these words shared with Mary, this promise, this truth, I pray that your spirit be among us, that you guide and lead us, and that all that is said be for your glory. May you teach us. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, by this point, you've heard that this week we think about conceived of the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, coming from the Apostles' Creed. Just a quick reminder, Apostles' Creed, about 150 A.D. is when it really becomes clearly laid out in the closest to form we have today. And it's saying what they believed, but as we've looked at each week, it's also saying what Christians didn't believe, which was the other stuff that was being said. And one of the things, I don't know if you've ever thought about that, of why, why the virgin birth is in, of all the things about Jesus, um, his life, you know, doesn't, not the shepherds, not, the, not that he, you know, did miracles, not that he fed the 5,000, this statement about the virgin birth and believing that he was born of Mary. There's not anywhere that Jesus said, you better believe that my, you know, important to be a follower of mine, you must believe that my mother was a virgin. He doesn't say that. There's, there's not anywhere, and we've sung a few Christmas songs, there's not anywhere Jesus says, I want you to celebrate my birthday. He didn't. He says he wants us to do what? Follow, follow him. Follow him. Believe. So, well, you know, why is that, why was that so important? So I'm going to, you know, answer my question uh, that I'm asking real quick. And I'm going to try to answer it really quick. We kind of got, uh, they got a little more in, in Sunday school about this. But really there are two, there's, there's more than that, but there's two biggie uh, ideas that are surfaced at the time. One is what's referred to as Gnosticism. Anybody ever heard that term before? We hear about other gospels, the gospel of Thomas. It comes later than the gospels we have. But it is a Gnostic gospel. It has Gnostic thinking. It is kind of a pagan, philosophical way of thinking that emerged. And some of them embraced Christianity and you had kind of a Christian Gnostic thinking. Um, and I, I don't have time to go into all the details. But it was the idea that all matter, all physical matter is bad. And that there really was only supposed to be a spiritual world and there was a problem created and, and all matter is bad. And there's these, all these lists, all these different gods called ions and they created and they're spread out and there's, but then there's little bits of light and, and you got to connect. But the key idea is, and that's why it's called Gnosticism, the root word gnosis, which means knowledge. This is the key. That there was this secret knowledge or information that you had to have to be able to connect spiritually with with the way it was supposed to be. And it was only for the people that had this knowledge. And then there's some different branches of Gnosticism because all physical matter is bad. They did not believe in Jesus really being born. 
So they didn't believe. They believe he just kind of comes on the scene at some point. And there's this idea that he, he, he may have looked human, but he wasn't. He may could have appeared human, but he was more like a, a, a spirit or a ghost because that's what Gnostics thought. And that you were supposed to control your, the passions and sins in your body. Or, and, but then there was also a flavor that said you could just do anything. Because um, it didn't matter what you did with your body. But in essence, that's the basics of Gnosticism. The other one that really emerged and, and hits hard in about 144 A.D. and begins is Marcionism. I'm not expecting you to remember all this. But anyway, real quick, Marcionism, uh, he was the son of a bishop. He got exposed to Christianity when he was young. But he did not like Jews. He didn't like anything Jewish. He didn't felt the God of Yahweh of the Old Testament, the creator God, was a bad God. And that there was a more benevolent God. And that that is what the only books that he felt for what he was forming as Christianity. He formed a church. He, he had leaders kind of in a opposition. But the only thing they read was Luke's gospel and some of the letters of Paul that had been edited by him. Because he took out anything. But he said the other gospels were too Jewish, wouldn't have anything to do with them. But not big into anything connected to the Old Testament. Not big into miracles. There wasn't much miraculous going on. And was really into universal salvation. It was the idea... This better God, just we're all going to win and forgive everything and we're all good. Nothing to worry about. Formed a church that went on for centuries. That's the two biggies. So, now we're back to just kind of get the idea. And I really hope it kind of came across in the children's sermon this morning. In my opinion, Gnosticism of the time was kind of the champion of you broke it, you fix it. You're waiting to be woke up from this spiritual blindness and then you've got to figure out this secret knowledge to fix the problem and get in charge. You broke it, you fix it from God. It was more along the lines of anybody, anybody a Matrix fan? Oh, we got three, okay. I won't go down that road. I like, the, anyway, it's that idea of being woken up from the pretend world. But... That is what they believe. It's this, you broke it, you fix it. Marcionism is this, if you have to kind of sum it up, it's this idea of God saying, it's not broken. It's not broken. When I said, you know, the toy's not broken. Just, we'll hide that piece. And it just, it's not broken. We're all good. Everything's okay. And the truth of both of those, for believers in Jesus of the time, where that's not right. That's not right. Does that still kind of continue today in different forms of Christianity? And people, you know, you got to, you got to legalism. You got, you got to figure it out. You got to make it. You better get it all right. You got to, it's all you. You got to, or none of it matters. It's not broken. There's no problem. God just, it's, it's, everything's okay. Is the world just Okay. That is why they stressed the virgin birth. Because both of those groups denied, denied that Jesus was born in material body. And that is why that became so important. 
And even later, it becomes so important. You get the veneration of Mary and the things that go on. But that is why that becomes so important. Because of all the stuff that is connected to it. And it is that we have a God that does not say, you broke it, you fix it. Or a God that says, it's not broken. True believers and followers of Christ said, no, it is a God who steps in and fixes it. So we're going to think about what that meant. Just three simple ideas. The first idea that was so important is that God is the initiator. Now, you can't go, I can't go down the road too much. Right before this is you get, Zechariah gets told about the birth of John the Baptist. And he didn't believe it. He says to the same angel, you better prove it. Is his response. And he can't speak for nine months because he proves it. But he is a priest. This is a young peasant girl. Who wasn't expecting to do anything great. Who didn't have much going for her. And God initiates. That is key to Christianity. That it is God who steps in and meets us in the brokenness. It is God who invites. Do you believe that? When we say the Apostles' Creed, that's what we're saying we believe. The God who steps in and invites. Have you ever been not invited to something? You ever been that? I mean, we all have stories of those, maybe. I got a lot. I was not the popular kid in high school, you know. So, or you ever looked on Facebook, and we have whole, whole new definitions of depression because of social media connected to FOMO. You know what FOMO is? Fear of missing out. I began to look and see everybody's so happy and their life is so perfect. And what they put out there, mine's not. Have you ever seen the, the friends talk about the party and that you weren't invited to? Or in high school, if anybody has those stories of the, the party you weren't invited to, the thing that you didn't get to do, of being the overlooked and the forgotten. Those are the stories in the... In Scripture, God steps into. That's why in Luke's gospel, you get the shepherds. That was completely unexpected for them to be the ones. But you get this girl who God steps in and God initiates. God is the one who's, who created and it is God who steps in and recreates. And it is God who invites. And we need to know that we are invited. There's not a secret knowledge you've got to come across in a magical incantation you've got to get right. I've said on Wednesday night, teaching scripture. Going to seminary is not where you get to be able to understand scripture. The Bible says... You and I, anybody, has access. It is the Holy Spirit who teaches the truth. The gospel is not, not complex, although it is so multifaceted and many-layered and does so much more than we can even comprehend. But that is what these early Christians believed and gave their life for. 
You and I, have you ever felt overlooked or forgotten or does God care? And the truth of what what we believe is that's not true. You are invited. You are known. God steps across the gap. God initiates. Okay? Now the other side of that is true. Two, what that means, you know, why it's in here. They weren't talking about, hey, if you don't believe in the virgin birth, you're not one of us. You better believe that Jesus is... They're talking about what they believe. That God is the initiating, inviting, stepping in, and they really believe it. We've been talking for several weeks to the point some of them will give their lives for it. Not just under persecution of the Roman Empire. If you go back and read history and you can read in Roman record and hear talking about, you know one of the major ways that Christianity just flourished and they couldn't stop it in the Roman world? is that anybody was welcome. In little house churches and meeting, if you believed in the truth of the gospel, whether you were a slave or whether you were a wealthy person or whether you were welcome. That's why Paul talks about that diversity and everybody matters. And you're talking about a little poor teenage girl who was totally got nothing in her favor to be the one picked. And they really believed it to where they lived it. And then what they did, because when, when the plagues or disease, disease was one of the things that called the de- decline and downfall of Rome. But when people would be desi- dying, their neighbors would be dying of diseases, you know what Christians would do? That they really believed this? It wasn't something they just said. They believed it. They would go nurse their neighbor back to health to where often they would catch the disease themselves and die. That's recorded in Roman writing. Because they they really believed. God is so invitational and steps in so powerfully and stepped into my life and stepped into our world. They will do whatever it takes to invite others. And to get the gospel out there, that is why that's in there. God is the one who intervenes, who invites. And do we believe it? The other piece, because do you always believe it? Oh, come on, be honest. Do you go nurse your neighbor back? Do you always? Sometimes we get it wrong. The other piece of God being born and this entering into is that God really became human. Marcionism, Gnosticism, they, they believe that. 
God really entered into your world, your life, your stuff. God really knows. Do you ever feel like there's something, you know, maybe you feel alone or broken or hurting or sad about something. You're like, God, do you, do you care? You, you ever felt like that? Join the, if so have we all. Do you care? Read John 3, 16. Read what we said at the beginning of God. Yes, God cares. Look at his nail-pierced hands. He cares. Does he know? Have you ever been that alone? Welcome to the Garden of Gethsemane where he's weeping and crying because he's alone too. He knows. Have you ever wondered, God, where are you? You've just overlooked me and forgotten me. Yeah. Read the Psalms. We love the 23rd Psalm. Y'all know that one? Lord is my shepherd, walks with me. Read the 22nd Psalm, the one that comes before it. It's the one Jesus quoted from the cross. Read the whole thing. It starts off with, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? We feel like that. And guess what? Jesus knows. You, it, Paul goes on to write that you, you can't have gone through a temptation or a struggle or a problem that he did not experience. He knows. They believed that so much. It changed everything. God enters in. I was thinking about this morning. This may not make any sense. But years ago, my, I grew up at Broad Street, United Methodist. That's where we went. and I can remember times having to sit on the front row. But when I was about... A, 17, 18, something like that. I remember one time sitting in the sanctuary before we moved, we were going to move out and become Heritage United Methodist and sell it. I just remember I was sitting there. It was probably empty. And I leaned over onto my knees and I looked down the pew. And it was like, I don't know if it was deja vu or just a memory. I think it just meant I could remember that perspective when I was a little kid sitting on the, on the, it was the second row. And I remember when I got low enough, just, I was just leaning over and I looked down to realize, oh! And it's just like I got this rush back and I realized this thing was enormous. I remember thinking this was enormous and God was so big. And I remember, I can remember sitting on the second row before I had to come up for children's sermon or come up to sing and it'll be so nervous because people are out there and it's so big and it's so, you know, we don't think about that from kids. And that, that struck me this morning because we know. Anybody that's an educator or works with children, you know, if you really want to connect with a kid, you get what? You get down on their level. They've never seen the world from your level. But you get down on theirs. That is the God they are talking about in that. He knows your brokenness, your struggle, your sin, your pain. Experience every temptation. And didn't give in to it. But that is not so God can say, nanny, nanny, boo-boo. <laughs> that is so you can be connected and he knows. That's what our scripture says. I think I've beat that one far and long enough. We'll move on to the third and get out of here. 
the next thing, and this is key. It is right there in the text we read. It is part of what Gabriel says to her when she... How in the world is this going to be possible? I mean, the whole Elizabeth thing, she's old, but hey, that's possible. You know, Mary? I mean, you know, I've never been with a man. I'm just letting y'all in on the truth here is that isn't possible. I mean, you see somebody and they're, you know, pregnant. And, oh, when'd you do date? When, where, who's the daddy? Well, God. I, we're going to put him in a mental institution. That's not possible. They believed it. Because there ain't anything that's impossible for our God. That's what, that's what Gabriel says. Nothing's impossible. That's, that's repeated multiple times in the Gospels. Nothing's impossible. Do you ever feel like you've got some stuff that just seems impossible to work out? Is that really possible? That is what they're saying when they say, believe he was born of a virgin. This is impossible. But we have a God that stepped in and changed the world, transformed lives, and it becomes possible. Now, I don't know about you, but I, I've experienced enough intervention of God in my life for miraculous healings in my own life. Seeing other people prayed for, even where my faith, I was like, I don't know, but it says in the Bible, have an elder anoint you with oil. That's James. I'm an elder. Here we go. And then they can't find the cancer the next day. That's a true story from just a couple of years ago. Or, or we, we did 10 years, we did ministry, the connection to at-risk kids. And everybody was a volunteer, including me. We all just volunteered, Karen, on the side. We, I was pastoring other churches. But there would be moments, and about five years into it, I remember the, the, the checking account. It was, it was 2500 bucks for rent the building where we operate. And the checking account got to a couple hundred bucks. Had a meeting. With people involved, everybody that was involved, and we just said, all I got to tell you is we're about to end. We prayed when it, it dries up, God's done. And so y'all pray, but just be expect, we either we'll meet outside or I don't know what'll happen. An $8,000 check came that week from the most unexpected source I would ever have thought of. Just out of the blue. I've seen that kind of stuff happen. God is a God of miracles. There's not anything that's impossible. But that does not mean everybody gets their miracle. When those things happen and step in, it is to prove the truth of the gospel. It is, to, it is usually when there's a witness going on, when there's truth, and God breaks in and heals or does something. Do not ever limit what God is possibly doing. But we don't ever get to pick which promise is ours and what the timing will be. That's God's. Mary, who we talked about in Sunday school, who is favored among all women. Wow! Gets to see her son that she's never told he will, be, he will die. She thinks he's going to become king. Her firstborn son 
hang naked on a cross and die as a criminal. That's rough. That's rough. But she believed the truth of the impossible God to where in Acts, after he is crucified and been put in a grave, it says Mary, the mother of God, is named and numbered as the believing disciples. She never gives up on believing what that angel says. Times when she wants to. Times when it gets ugly. Times when it seems impossible. Times when it's not anything like she thought. The gossip about her having an illegitimate child never goes away. The only person on planet earth that knows the truth is her. You want to say her and Joseph, but Joseph probably thought, maybe, I don't know, some other guy might be the daddy, I don't know. That's Matthew, we'll look at that in Advent. She's the only one. It doesn't undo the gossip about her. It doesn't undo what people assume and think. But she believed the truth. And it changed the world. To where the truth is, sometimes, that's part of the beauty of the Apostles' Creed and standing up and saying it together and how Christians said it. Because sometimes... I don't feel it. You ever not feel it? Kind of going through a little season like that right now where I just don't feel it. God, where, where are you? Scripture says don't trust your feelings. Your feelings are important. Pay attention to them. But Jesus does not say your feelings are the way and the truth and the life. He says that he is. You trust him. And there are times that I need to be reminded by you. And you need to be reminded by them that we really believe it. I mean, Christians should be annoyingly optimistic. And I'm not always. I mean, this morning. I mean, it, it, it's cool in here, but it's not as cool as we would want it. Right? Anybody? Anybody? I'd like it a little cooler. It's because the air didn't get turned on early enough. Because I was freaking out this morning. Because it was not cool at all. And, and Max and, and Alan, we got on the roof and thinking of something frozen. And y'all know Victor, that's our, if, if you're visiting here, he's our facilities guy. He's in the hospital. Pray for Victor. Got on the roof and got on places and got, couldn't figure out anything until I finally said, it's just going to be hot. You know, my response, you know, Jesus hung naked for them. They're just going to have to be hot for him. It's just going to be hot. And Alan, who I've learned, he just has, usually has a smile on his face and can be kind of optimistic, said, well, have you called Victor? No, he's in the hospital. I'm not going to bother. Well, why don't you call him? I called him. And he told me how to reset the thermostats real quick. But, so it's cooler. <laughs> Sometimes... We need to be reminded. That's a funny story. But a lot of our stories, and most all of us at different times, it's not so funny. When life hurts. And we need to be reminded of the truth 
that Mary believed and that we believe and it changed the world. And so we're going to close this sermon by standing up and reciting the Apostles' Creed. And some of you this morning may have pieces of it. You're just not there. You just feel like that. And some of you need to know that what you're going to say is for the benefit of the person sitting next to you who needs to hear it. Because it's truth whether we believe it or not. Let's stand. printed there in your bulletin if you I believe in God the Father Almighty maker of heaven and earth and in Jesus Christ his only son our Lord who was conceived by the Holy Spirit born of the Virgin Mary suffered under Pontius Pilate was crucified dead and buried the third day he rose from the dead he ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sin, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. Amen. As always, you're invited to join with us in any way that we receive.